when have you tried to make something right? Uh, wh- when have you tried to make something right and failed? I, I think of, uh, of a story when I really wish I could have gone back and, and made it right. I used to go fishing with my grandpa uh, a lot. And, um, and one time, I was, I was pretty young, we, uh, well, I, I caught the biggest fish I've ever caught. I mean, that thing was probably like, <laughs> maybe not quite, but it was, it was definitely the biggest fish I'd ever caught. I was young, I was proud, I was excited. I wanted to show everyone, you know, what I did. But um, we had this agreement. We, we had shared a lake lot with another couple, and actually the, the wife, uh, she, she uh, passed, from, passed away from leukemia at a pretty young age, I think right around 40, and, um, and she would never keep a fish. She always would throw it back. She just didn't, didn't want to kill the little fish. And uh, so after she passed, we had this agreement that when we, when we went fishing, the first fish we always threw back for Linda, no matter what. Well, this fish that I caught happened to be the first fish. So what do you do? I mean, we didn't have uh, we didn't have smartphones with cameras, and so I couldn't take a picture of it and throw it back. No one would even believe. You know, you guys didn't believe me that that fish was like, you know, and uh, and so we just agreed. My grandpa and I we agreed that we would throw throw away the second fish, and uh, and then we'd be fine. Uh, so we caught more fish, threw back the second one, and uh, and moved on. Well, I, I remember we were in we were in uh, what's called Bishop's Cove on Lake Taylorville, and we were ready to move to a different place. And uh, and he was driving, and I had a job, you know, pull the anchor and and get ready to leave. So we we did, and we started to to go, and we got out of the cove. And I was just thinking, man, I don't even want to go fishing anywhere else. I just want to go back and show people this huge fish. Well, uh, I I glanced over, and I don't I don't know how familiar you are with uh, all these terms, but um, but we used a stringer, and you string up the fish, and then you, you uh, throw it into the water, and you tie it off on the side of the boat. And I had the stringer tied pretty, pretty long so the fish could swim around. I was just trying to be nice. Well, when we were driving across the lake, I looked over and realized I didn't pull the fish in. And uh, I said, hey, and he, he saw it and slowed down. I pulled that stringer up. That, that fish was, uh, instead of, it was just about this long. The propeller cut the fish in half. I didn't get to show anyone. You know, you know how much I wanted to, to, to go back and relive that memory and, and fix it? It was one of those things that after it happens, there's nothing you can do. And, you know, it's not a huge deal. It's a fish, but oh, it was a sick feeling. Well, I, I, I tell that story because there are times, there are situations in life that we can't make it right. There are definitely ways that we can make some things right through forgiveness and justice and sacrifice. I mean, making things right comes in, in many different forms. But there are things that no matter what we do, we can never make them right. One specifically, uh, in our series, why, why Christmas? Why did Jesus come to earth? Jesus came to make things right. We use the term reconciliation. He, he came to make things right between us and God. Now, this is a very big deal because we realize that there are things that we cannot make right. We cannot make our relationship between us and God right. That took Jesus. So, in order to make things right, though, there's another step. 
we have to realize how wrong something is. Uh, we, are, we are bad. Um, we are, maybe we say we're not horrible, but as, as people, we might not say that we're just wrong all the time, but we definitely, I think we can agree that we don't always get it right. Uh, that's, that's pretty easy. Uh, we might just say, well, I'm human. We have this, you know, that excuse. But in, in his book, Reunion, an author named Bruxy Cavey, he asks this question. How much sin do you think it would be wise for God to let into heaven? What, what should be the acceptable level uh, of, of, of sin in heaven? Maybe we say, well, 5%, 0.05%. Ah, it, it's, it's heaven, 0.005%. I mean, how, how much would God be right to allow into heaven? Because we just agreed that we don't always get it right. We, I think we, we can agree that we're, we're sinners. The answer has to be zero. When you look at the Olympic athletes, they're tested for performance-enhancing drugs. Well, they, they can't say, well, I, I've only tested a little bit. My blood's mostly clean. It has to be, has to be zero. When, when someone donates blood, the blood bank, uh, they, they have to ensure that the blood is completely clean. Someone can't say, well, it's, there's a, you know, a little bit of... Uh, it, my, my blood's mostly HIV-free, but no, it has to be all or nothing. The standard has to be absolute purity, and we know that for, for, for good reason. Well, that's the same with God, with heaven. The standard for heaven must be perfection. Now, if, if God were to let us into, into heaven uh, with sin, it would just start the, the problems all over again. If we look at earth, what's wrong with earth? Well, it's, it's, it's the sin in, in a, you know, among the people. Well, if there's sin among the people in heaven, then we've got the same problems all over again. And I don't think any of us want that. I think we're looking forward to a heaven that is, is perfect, uh, that, that, there's, that we don't have this brokenness and problems and pain and crying, and all that's going to be gone. But if the sin were, were allowed in, that wouldn't be the case. And so to fully appreciate Jesus and trust him, we have to first realize how untrustworthy we are. We have to realize how weak we are. Uh, in order to recognize a personal Savior, we have to first recognize personal sin. And so I wanted to emphasize this before we get into our text this morning, that there is a challenge of making things right. It wouldn't work for us. The, the reason, there are reasons that, that we need to be made right with God, and uh, we're going to look at how that happens. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. All right, I'm going to stop there for a second. I, I'm not going to read this whole journal, but I read this, this uh, online article in a leadership journal. Uh, John Ortberg talks about um, how these adverse situations uh, impact our spiritual lives. And um, he, he talked about this psychologist, Jonathan Haidt, and he did this exercise. He said, imagine... 
Imagine you could see the script of your, of your child's life. You, you have a kid, and you have, the, you have the script, and it shows their entire life, and you get, you get to uh, read it for five minutes, and you notice very quickly that your child has a learning disability, and you notice that they had a, a breakup in junior high that was really sad, and there was a car accident in high school with, with one of their friends, and, and their marriage didn't work, and they're, they're, they had a job loss, and you see all the problems throughout their whole life. And if you could, for five minutes... You could edit anything you want. You could remove anything you want. You could change anything. Would you take all the problems out of, of the child's life? I think naturally that's what we do. We would take anything away that, that would cause them pain. He talks about how he's part of a generation called helicopter parents. I follow this up. Um, I think I'm called a lawnmower parent. Uh, the the genera- and that's uh, this is the the new term for the parents they used to be helicopter parents they stayed at a distance and just watched and if there was something that that uh, maybe they needed to fix then they would they would try to do that well now the lawnmower parents they just get right in front of the kid and mow down anything that could be a problem and uh, and we don't want our kids to get hurt so um, we 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 try to get rid of barriers well uh, there's a, there was a kid on Halloween uh, going trick or treating. And uh, Jonathan Ortberg, this preacher, he talked about how the, the mom came up to the door to get the candy. That's kind of an odd thing. And he said, well, where's, where's your kid? She said, well, it was raining, so I decided to drive because I didn't want my kid to be cold and, uh, you know, get wet. And, and so, uh, and, uh, and I guess this is a, a true story. I don't really know. He told it like it was. And, um, and he said, yeah, but, but why not at least come up to the door? And she said, well, he fell asleep in the car, and I didn't want to wake him up because then he'll be tired t- the tomorrow and be cranky. So uh, he said he, w- he wanted to say, well, then, then why don't you just eat the candy, too, and get the stomach ache so, uh, so he doesn't have any problems at all. Yeah, we, we, like to, we like to sometimes avoid these. Well, in Romans 5, this, this section here, he talks about how there is suffering, and, and it's okay. Now, we, we're not wanting suffering. I mean, this isn't, uh, he, Paul isn't telling them the goal is suffering. It is not. But he knows that we will suffer, and there's possible good that can come through this. And, and so he says the goal is not suffering, but to focus on the hope because of God's pouring out in his love for us. He goes on in verse 6, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but also we boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. See, when I try to put this together here, uh, what does is, what is being um, uh, apart from God have to do with suffering? Well, it's, it's this idea that we were, were powerless, and we don't always recognize it when things are going well. I mean, when life's going well, when you don't have any problems, when you have everything you need, and maybe even you say, well, I made this life for myself. I worked hard to get this life, and everything's perfect. Well, then, who are we putting our faith in? 
probably not God, right? So he, he wants us to recognize, yeah, you are weak. And he doesn't just say you're weak. I don't know if you noticed the descriptive words that he uses towards us in this passage. The first one is powerless. Not just weak, you were powerless. He also says you were ungodly. I can, I can probably go along with, with that, that one. I don't want to be called powerless because that's weak, but the more we go through life, the more we realize, yeah, we kind of are. Yeah, you were powerless, you were ungodly, yeah, you were sinners. But here's this last descriptive word that, he, that really stands out to me. You were God's enemies. And we say, well, we're, we're all God's children. Yeah, that's not how it works. We were created in God's image, everyone. God, I think God loves us. We, he, he showed us that by sending His Son. But if you don't have faith in Jesus, you are God's enemy. He says, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son. Without the death of His Son, without Jesus making things right, we, are, we were God's enemies. I don't want to be an enemy of God. That, that sounds pretty, pretty scary then I might realize how powerless I am. But this is who we were. This is how God saw us. And, and it says at just the right time, when you were powerless, when you were ungodly, when you were a sinner, when you were God's enemy, then Jesus was born into the world. This is why he came. Yeah, we know he came to show us God. He showed us how, how it's done. He showed us that, he's, that Jesus is the only way to the Father. And then he made us right. And now there's these new words in this text in Romans 5 that describes us a little differently. Yeah, instead of being all those, those words that were kind of negative, yeah, we've been justified, we've, we've been saved, and we've been reconciled. Let Christmas, coming up this week, let it be a reminder of the beginning of hope. Yeah, with just Christmas, we wouldn't, that wouldn't have been it. We needed Easter. We needed the resurrection. We needed the cross, the burial, the resurrection. But this is the beginning of hope. We were really needing things to be made right in our, in our uh, state, in our powerless state. Um, maybe maybe uh, we might ignore the problems, um, but this describes our permanent hopeless condition. And I, I focus on the negative because... It's the only way to appreciate the positive. We left the fish in the water. The fish was cut in half. There was absolutely nothing that we could do to make it right. In our sinful state, we were cut off. We were cut off from God. We were permanently, there was no possible fix. God held us accountable. The wrath of God, John Stott says, is his righteous hostility to evil his refusal to condone it, and his just judgment upon it. For God to be so against sin, it shows how pure and good he is. And as much as we don't really like it at times, I think we actually really do like it. If God's keeping track of, of what we do and don't do, um, then it must be worth keeping track for a reason. It, it's, it's telling us that what we do in our lives has significance, and what we do then matters to God. And if what we do matters to, the, to God, then that means that we matter to God. Now, if you, I mean, think about it. We're okay with people getting away with, with crimes that really don't matter that much to us. Um, 
But as soon as they start to matter to us, then, then, uh, then we want justice. Like when I see a, a headline of a crime committed in Afghanistan or, or uh, maybe China or, or Australia or England, unless it's really bad, I don't really give it a second thought. You know, I just kind of keep moving through the headlines. But the second that I, that I see a headline about a crime committed in Lake Fork or Lincoln or Mount Pulaski, I might look and see, do I recognize the name of that person? I mean, that person's uh, a little bit closer to me. And that's, that's how it works. The closer we are to someone, the more connection we might have, the more that they matter to us. And so for God to hold us accountable, we matter. It makes a difference how we live our lives. Stuart Briscoe, an author and preacher, he, had, he wrote a little booklet about his personal testimony called This is Exciting, and he, and he told the story of a spiritual life and how when he first came to faith, he, he realized, um, oh, you just say this prayer and you're baptized, and, and someone told him this was easy. He liked that. But then as he, as he matured in his faith and got connected to the church, then someone told him, actually, you're supposed to follow Jesus and, and obey and now all of a sudden, this is difficult. He was okay with that. You know, I, I, we, we can go along with some. If, if it matters to us, we're okay with it being a little difficult. But then as he read the scriptures more and really started to, to, to get in and, and see, and see uh, God's heart and see our sinful nature, then he realized this is impossible. He didn't like that. And he got mad. That's where we have to be. We can't think that this is easy. We can't even think that this is difficult. We have to think that this is impossible because it is because we've all fallen short of the glory of God and the wage of sin is death. But it can't stop there. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When, when all of a sudden we get to the point of, okay, this isn't what, I, th- I don't have a chance. I, I can't make this right. I can't do anything to fix this. Then we don't go around and talk about, well, my faith helps me to be this person, and my faith guides me to do that. We can't even say that phrase, just my faith, without finishing what it is. My faith in Jesus gives me hope. My faith in Jesus compels me to love someone. The object of our faith is not ourselves, but our Savior. That's where we have to be to understand what God did for us. It, it's kind of like uh, when a man bought a mouse. He bought a, a little white mouse to feed to his pet snake. I don't know why anyone would have a pet snake, but in the story I'm telling you, it's just a made-up story, uh, the man has a pet snake, and he took a mouse and he threw it into the glass cage, and, uh, and the mouse knew right away he's in trouble. And, and the snake was in a bed of sawdust, and, and so he, he took the sawdust and, and covered the snake. The mouse covered the snake in sawdust while it was sleeping, so... When it woke up, he would be safe. How foolish to, to think that he could cover that snake with sawdust and, and he would be safe. But the, the owner, the man, in his, in his mercy towards the mouse to see how hard he was trying, but it was impossible. So he pulled the mouse out. We're the mouse. The sin is snake, the snake. Our, our, our lives, we, we might try to cover it and, and, and make, it, make, make it better, and I'm going to, uh, we don't say it like that, but we say, well, I've made these mistakes, so I'm going to work really hard, and I'm going to please God, 
We don't please God to cover the snake. We please God because he pulled us out of the cage and gave us hope and gave us life. This morning, my challenge is this. Don't waste it. Don't waste the opportunity. You were pulled out of the, of the, of the snake's cage with the sin that would destroy you, not just now, but forever, and taken out by a loving God. But we have to look to him. We have to allow it. He gives us a choice. We don't want to waste the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. And so as we go into communion, we're going to really think about this, who we are now. As Christians, who are we because of what he did for us? And I want to read a passage to finish in 2 Corinthians 5. And it's just a reminder because I told you those, those titles were replaced of being ungodly and a sinner and powerless and an enemy of God. We have a new title now. Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now that passage is a little repetitive and, and kind of wordy and a lot of words that I had to look up. But when I, when I look at this passage, there are two things that stand out to me. Uh, the last phrase, we might become the righteousness of God. And then in verse 20, the title, who are we? Christ's ambassadors. And I try to paraphrase this all into one simple little phrase that I can remember because I won't remember all that. You were made right to make right. Yet you were made right by God and now have been given an opportunity to make right in the world. We came in as an enemy of God. We were not on his side, but he made us right. Jesus made you right with God if you trust him. And you leave as an ambassador for God. Let's Go be the church. Share this hope. Those, those people who are uh, powerless, and they may not even realize it, they have to be shown the, the bad, the, the weakness. They have to be told, you're, you're, you're not a Christian. You're not a child of God. That's not how it works. We say that. We overuse that phrase. But you have to put your trust in Jesus, and you are welcome into the family of God. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for even allowing us to call you that, Father, uh, to, to, be, uh, to be given a second chance. When we were hopeless and, and powerless and, and had no way to possibly make things right, you loved us so much, uh, even, even your enemies, you loved us so much that you you showed us that by sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. You would sacrifice your own son so that we could know you and to feel your love. I pray for any person who heard this uh, that, that is a Christian, that knows this, I pray that you would give us all the courage and the boldness to share this with those around us. 
And for someone who doesn't know that they have a loving Father waiting uh, for, the, uh, for, ex- uh, for them to accept, I pray that you would open their hearts and their minds and allow them to realize how much they matter. God, I thank you that you are loving and you did everything you could to reveal that love to us. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.